Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And topic for today is managing security through mergers and acquisitions. M&A is a disruptive activity, and everyone is crazy busy trying to work toward building that bigger and better business and do all things which will help the shareholders and the Wall Street, if it's a public company, happy. Now, that said, security frequently takes a backseat, and we have heard that there could be some unreported vulnerabilities and or security control gaps which may get missed or someone may not report during the due diligence phase, which could create conflicts. And then later on, once the merging entities come together, there could be other conflicts or people saying, you go do it my way or it's not going to work and the politics, you name it. And there are so many reasons why security management could suffer or be undermined during mergers and acquisition journey. So what can the leaders do working with the team and the management, the security leaders? That's what we are here to discuss. So we have just the right guest for us, James Edgar, Senior Vice President, Chief Information Security Officer with Fleet Corps. Hey, James, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Great to have you, sir. Now, you know, mergers and acquisition. Scenarios when both parties are coming, like almost about to date, right? They will put in their best show. And many times they may not uh, show the vulnerabilities. In fact, they would claim that they're all secure. Everything is good and dandy and they're compliant before the merger. And sometimes it falls through the cracks. What would you say if these two organizations, say merging organization or weren't getting acquired, they say we are all good and they go ahead and merge. So a math will say one compliant and secure entity merging with another compliant and secure entity, the combined entity would be awesome get going from the very get go. What's wrong with this equation? Well, I think you kind of pointed it out in the question, right? In, in many cases, right, you make that assumption two plus two equals four. But when you get into the nitty gritty, hey, we may have missed a vulnerability or, hey, something wasn't disclosed. Uh, we missed this system. Hey, we didn't scope these services as part of the merger. So you can't be there's no guarantee, right, going into it. And that's why it's important to do as much due diligence as you can up front, but also understand there's going to be stuff that happens, right? Even in your own environment, you roll out a new product, new service inevitably you're going to find a hole or a gap or something that you missed. So that's where you can't just make that assumption. Hey, we were PCI compliant over here and we're HIPAA compliant over here. That means we put together, we're going to be compliant for everything. It just doesn't work because that's the other factors. You know, one compliance here doesn't meet compliance over here. So we could be PCI here. Hey, we're GDPR over here, but are we CCPA over here? Um, so you have to take all those things into consideration um, and understand that compliance doesn't equal security. And if you have a strong baseline from a security standpoint, you can apply those to your compliance, your requirements and regulation requirements, have that control framework. You can usually get a good feeling in that due diligence phase. 
hey, I think we're pretty good. Hey, we might have some gaps. We need to address those first thing and then go into, hey, what is our process post merger? Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's trust but verify. Do you have the policies? Do you have an incident response plan? Do you monitor and detect? Have the right protection controls? Is there vulnerability management? Go through all that list of stuff you would do in your own environment and see what you can validate in that due diligence process. So trust but verify is a great approach when you are kind of, uh, I'm not saying the relationships are not important, but this could really bring us down. We could lose our shirt. If something that was not properly reported, then people can say, oh yeah, I thought it's a minor vulnerability, but that could cause a big harm. So do you think trust but verify truly is a good approach given the days and age that we're living in, or shall we go with a zero trust? Yeah, in, in a perfect world, you go with zero trust, right? And again, it goes to, hey, is this pre or post-merger? In many instances, pre-merger, there's you're limited to what you can do and what you can validate and test. But there are tools out there you can leverage, like uh, security rating services that kind of monitor different businesses, their their external footprint, if you will. And you can kind of look for telltale signs of, hey, this could be an issue. Hey, looks like they had a patching problem over here. And you can start collecting it kind of data and, and start doing the analysis to say, hey, is there something to be more concerned about to your point? Hey, you know, this could lead into a bigger problem going forward. Um, you can also look with your legal teams and your insurance uh, partners. Hey, we're going through this merger. We would need to take extra care and extra considerations if there are going to be some potential gaps or risks that we aren't sure are going to be addressed. So you can start leveraging some of these tools and some of these technologies, some of these partners that you have, try and manage and reduce that risk. Now, when you are bringing two different entities, different culture, different asks from the management, different operational uh, you know, weaknesses or strengths, with that said, most people, when bringing security into the play, no one can truly claim that they are fully secure. Two different mindsets towards security. So we can always point out all the possible ways this mergers and acquisition-centric uh, security management or integration will not work, but what works? What's the best way to even approach this beast? So, we, you know, we like to look at it more of a, hey, what is our baseline operation, our operating model from a security standpoint? Hey, what are our minimum requirements that we know we have to meet in order to maintain compliance, maintain a secure environment, give our customers the security and, and the comfort that they need uh, to use our services and products? So typically you can establish those. There's security frameworks out there that you can leverage as well, um, that like cybersecurity framework, for example, that kind of help establish what is that baseline? Where do I need to do? What is the minimum I need to do from a security standpoint? And to your point, there are different cultures, different businesses, different business models out there that don't always you know, fit your business model if you're making an acquisition or, or doing a merger. But at some level, they should have that standard, right? And if you can align with these standards like NIST cybersecurity framework or ISO 27001 and say, hey, you know what? This company being acquired, we follow ISO 2, just like the company that's acquiring them. That can really help kind of level set and set that baseline so that going into this, you feel like, hey, yeah, we do have a better understanding. We do know that while they're culturally different, hey, it's a smaller business or a larger business, they follow similar controls and requirements that that are guidelines that we have put in place based on some of these frameworks that we have. That's one of those things we like to go into so that when we have these conversations with these businesses, we make it clear, hey, we're not here to change how you do security necessarily. We just want to understand how you do it. We want to look and see how you align with what we do 
and hey, here's some requirements we have. You may not have it now, but as you're acquired, we, you know, from Stock's perspective, if you're not a publicly traded company, we're gonna have additional scrutiny. So, hey, what can you provide us in that sense to help us say, you know what, we either are there or there's a slight gap there, but at least we know it now, we can address it. Or they may come back and say, you know, we do a really great job with access management. Hey, look at what we've done here. We have these processes and people in place. And maybe you can take consideration about implementing some of these processes or looking at this solution. So it's really saying, hey, what is our common baseline that we're trying to reach and how do those companies stack up to it and figure out what are those next steps to get there, right? And you're not trying to be adversarial, not trying to say, hey, we're telling you how to do it, but hey, we know we want to do security, right? No matter what business we're in or how we operate, here's how we get there. Let's see how you get there and we can kind of compare and see. So one is to manage security through a checklist mechanism. So in a mm-hmm. given company, we have to tackle, you know, public company has got some unique challenges in a private maybe having different set and depending on the industry. All that said, with a checklist, yes, you can feel confident, but then there is something which is overarching, which is risk. Because mm-hmm. gone are the days when you used to just say, okay, I took care of my security issues. But if you're not aligning well to the enterprise risk posture or risk tolerance and propensity, then you still not met your stakeholders' expectations. And now you got two different organizations coming together and yet the marriage hasn't happened and both bring their own respective risk uh, posture or, or risk tolerance. How do you, during that time, when they are extra cautious because you're coming together, because suddenly their their tolerance for risk would go higher and you would say, oh, I need so much money to get this done in a combined entity. And once they join and things are getting comfortable, there's suddenly the risk tolerance uh, basically is higher or lower. Mm-hmm. And that could change everything, yep. including your checklist. So how do you tackle this fuzzy side of security management, which is risk? Yep, absolutely. And that, and that you bring up a, a great point about risk because at the end of the day, it's all about balancing the risk when you make an acquisition, right? And from a security standpoint, especially because you actually don't want to introduce more risk either to the company that's being acquired or the company that's doing the acquisition. Um, so, you know, a few different ways to tackle that, right? In, in a mature environment, you'll have a risk register, both the entity making the acquisition and the, the, acquire, the acquired company. And you can kind of sit down and say, hey, let's look at our risk. Where are the biggest risks for you versus me? Hey, I might have it in vulnerability management. Hey, I have it over here in uh, identity access. <laughs> and figure out if we merge the companies, <clears throat> does that risk change, right? You could do another risk assessment kind of posing as the both entities combined. But you can also start figuring out, hey, how do I mitigate that risk? Hey, we're acquiring you. You've never gone through a penetration test. We don't know that you've never been breached necessarily. You say you haven't, but you could have back doors or you know front doors hopefully not, that are wide open that intruders could come through. So, hey, we'll partner with you. Let's do a pen test to understand what if there is a risk and hopefully say, hey, there's no risk. Or if we identify a couple of highs or criticals, let's get those mitigated before we do any type of merger or IT integration so we can manage that risk appropriately, which we, we've done similar things like that in the past. And again, that goes back to, hey, we did our readout. We did our due diligence. We went back to our business leaders and our, our business development teams and said, hey, here are some errors. I'm, I'm a little worried on endpoint protection. Is just, you know, what can we do around that? Hey, you know what? They, they've been going through their process around key management. You know, what I've seen from their policies, I've got some questions and gaps. Is there more we can do as far as say, hey, let's implement their systems or let's postpone implementing their systems until we can get our systems implemented in their environment. So I think just being able to manage at risk and be able to mitigate or at least 
highlight and say these are the this is our priority going forward as we merge the ent entities or we have a stepped approach to we're just going to do this section first and then this section first so we can manage it more appropriately and not put the whole entity at higher risk before the merger people will have a thought but also they also have another they would have some thoughts about the risk tolerance and what it should be etc but there is also a fact that many of those leaders who are business leaders and even security leaders may not stay. And that could very well be a sword hanging over their head or they would assume some of that could happen. How do you prevent objectivity from being taken away from this risk conversation at the time of due diligence so that people don't overreact towards how much security is there or not take it casually? on what do we need to do with risk and security because I don't know if I'm going to have the job tomorrow. Yeah, that's definitely a concern. And I think if you go through, go approach it with a kind of transparent, this is what we're trying to accomplish, right? From a security standpoint, we need to make sure that both companies, as you mentioned before, hey, if, if one company is less, is less secure or has higher risk than the other, that potentially could create risk for that uh, acquiring company. Or the other, the opposite company. You want to make sure that you know this is good for both companies going forward. Uh, and then you go back to, hey, make it clear these are the requirements that we build. Here's our standard that we, as you know, an organization, put forth from a security standpoint, to ensure that we're compliant. We have proper security in place. <clears throat> we're defensible. And then understand from both sides and say, listen, this is for the better of the company. Make sure that your business partners are aligned too, because a lot of times they're going to look at you to say, hey, is there over, is there an abundance of risk here? Hey, do we feel confident that we're getting everything we need to make sure that this deal is going through um, the way it should and the due diligence is, is meeting our, our acceptable risk levels? But just basically say, you know, we're in this together. This is for the benefit of both companies that we just want to make sure we're meeting these requirements, right? We're not trying to make determinations on the future of individuals in positions or how we're going to do integrations. We just want to first step forward and say, where do we stack up? Where do we align? Are there gaps on either side? And then what do we need to do to address those gaps? Uh, and from that point forward, say, I, we're opportunities. What are roadmaps going forward for each business? Hey, where do we align? Where do we don't align? Hey, we may have new opportunities for, for leadership or for individuals within security or in other areas that we say, you know what, if we keep partnering to this, you know, we can have synergies here that we didn't have before. Uh, so I think it's just being open, saying this is a collaborative effort. Again, we're just trying to figure out where we are as two different organizations and where we can meet in the middle and make sure that we're meeting all of our requirements and compliance concerns and go forward with, all right, how do we make this work in the future? And usually that provides them with enough comfort and insight as to, hey, you know what, this, this can work, we can do it. And honestly, from a security standpoint, you don't typically have that problem. Many times you get, especially smaller companies, you get situations where they're understaffed or they're, they're just overloaded and they're looking for, they're actually looking forward to partnering with another organization or team to help kind of alleviate some of that pressure and help them hopefully improve their position from a security posture standpoint. Now, you know, when you mention about um, the, the, the belief in everyone doing the right thing when they don't know what the future is, could be, you know, a leap of faith, mm -hmm. right? So whether you talk about management and then secondly, think about people in the field, like your security team. You say, guys, tell me, what the problems are or what could come up and that nuanced in the trenches understanding and knowledge 
please go ahead and proactively and openly share. And we expect all of that. Would that just because we expect something people do, essentially what I've seen at least in many cases is people don't do what you expect, people do what you inspect. Yep. And in order to get the best outcome, would there be a way besides motivating your staff to be proactive to ensure that nuanced understanding is utilized versus broad stroking on how security is working today in an individual entity or how it's going to work in the merged entity? What kind of an inspection-oriented approach we can take so we're not leaving to chances and not taking leaps of faith? So it kind of goes back to the trust but verify, right? And like I mentioned, there are several, you know, you have a toolbox of security tools and processes in some cases, uh, resources that you can leverage, third-party resources from audit or assessment standpoint. <clears throat> Don't be afraid to use those, right? And, and hopefully as the two companies come together, they have a lot of these controls and, and tools in their toolbox to leverage. And you can start sharing that data and say, hey, you say you don't have any critical vulnerabilities in your systems. Show me, show me the, the report from your vulnerability management solution. Hey, you say that you had a pen test every, every year. Show me the most recent pen test. Let's look at that. And if it's not there, you know, that obviously raises concern. You say, hey, let's let's partner together, in which we've done this in the past. Like I mentioned, you know, let's here, we'll, we'll connect you with, with the team we use, third party, completely independent. We're not going to have access to any of the details. They're going to run the report. They'll let us know if they find anything. They'll let both of us know, right? But in the meantime, we're not going to get into your systems or anything like that, you know, but we want to make sure that we're all on the same page. We all can verify, hey, this is what you said is true. Uh, you were able to show information because a lot of a lot of times it's very similar to hey we're going to do a third party assessment. We we ask for information back from these companies, so we're kind of assessing each other and understanding where we stand. But we validate it, saying hey, can you show me that last vulnerability report? Hey, did you do a user access review last quarter? Can you share? Hey, did you find any any people who weren't terminated within a week or or, or a month? Uh, and, and they should, if they have a good security program in place, be able to share that information and validate it. Uh, so you know. You have those mechanisms in place that you can, if they're not in place, you can drop them in place if, if you have partners that can work with you on that. Or they should have it hopefully in place as well and can share that information to, again, hey, yeah, you said you did that. That's great. We're going to we're put on our auditor cap here. Let's go ahead and walk through it or show it to me. Let's see it as an example of, yeah, we actually can validate and, and show that we can enforce these, these policies or what we're saying. So, James, I assume you may have worked through at least some of these M&A-centric uh, initiatives where security was to be managed or were, you had to keep the security up to date throughout that transition. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. What are some of the gotchas or the dark sides or the mistakes people make? Or I don't want to use the word mistakes. Maybe we say, what are the learnings we get when people don't do what they could have done or were supposed to do? What are the things they don't do which you expect them to do? So um, you know, th th we've had a few learning experiences as we go through these. Uh, for the most part, it it's, it's kind of as we touched on earlier, it's building that trust, being able to make sure that, hey, we're communicating, uh, you know, we're, we're being transparent. We're saying, hey, this is these are expectations. This is what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, <clears throat> And a lot of times it depends on the company too. Some companies are not as willing or happy to go through the process. Uh, they're busy, you know, it's finding the time and resources and, and getting the uh, dedication and focus to get through a lot of this. So we found is 
make sure you're communicating upfront as much as possible. Identify, hey, who are those key stakeholders? Because in some instances, you might get a situation where the security person really wasn't, hadn't been there for long. So they may not know all of the information and not, might, might not be aware of everything that's in scope uh, for you know, your due diligence from a security standpoint. So understand those folks. And if they don't know it or they were just hired, make sure you're working with their, either somebody else in IT or somebody else in the business who really has been there long enough and answer the questions. So the last thing you want to do is send out a questionnaire to someone who doesn't understand the business, who hasn't been there long enough. They answer it to the best of knowledge. And to your point, you can end up finding gaps or issues that should have been um, uncovered or at least discussed sooner uh, than the point at which they come up. That's one area. Number two is, hey, understanding how do you prioritize going into, especially when you go through that post M&A activity and you're trying to figure out, hey, where do I want to focus from onboarding, integrating from IT and security standpoint? Have kind of a list going into that and saying, you know, it's really important for us to number one, hey, what is our network perimeter security and do we have proper user access restrictions, MFA, that kind of thing in place? And number two, I'm going to go after endpoint protection. All right, what do they have in place for endpoint protection? Number three, we're going to go through the whole user access review. What are we doing around user access review? Four, hey, what are they doing for answer response and, and monitoring detection? Five, what are they doing around contract, third-party supply chain management? So really kind of have a, a really focused approach going into what are our priorities uh, as we go through the from pre to post-merger. That's important because you want to hit the ground running. Right. And especially if you in the process of the due diligence identified risks, you need to be ready to go and have the right people identified uh, to start addressing a lot of those issues. Now, um, if you are looking at any security uh, worker, right, or a mid manager or even a leader, would you say that it is a marathon or a sprint for them to manage security? What kind of muscle should they build? For, you know, especially from a kind of that middle tier, it's kind of both. A lot of times th those folks are, are deeply engaged in, hey, what's the direction of the, the business? What's the direction of the company and what we're doing in security, right? If it's operations or it's in, on the engineering side, they got to be forward looking, right? And understanding, hey, what is our, at least our 12 month plan? Where are we going? Where's leadership taking us? How do we make sure we're positioned to get there? But they're also there kind of managing the fo folks who are <clears throat> keeping this stuff going day to day, right? So they got to make sure if we do a new um, implementation of a, you know, next-gen AV, they got to be in the weeds making sure that, hey, we're doing the proper testing. We've deployed this to all of our environments. We haven't had any issues. We have a plan to update, upgrade, maintain those. We're monitoring and make sure that we aren't losing systems or that as new systems are deployed, these agents are deployed with it. So they got to be able to do both, right? And that's kind of probably not the way you're looking for, but you got to be able to get in the weeds. Hey, we got to get this done. Hey, we have an incident or we have a malware um, infection that we got to address, but still be able to think in a more strategic role and saying, Hey, you know, if my leadership came to me and said, we have to deploy, you know, enterprise single sign on for over the next 12 months to all of our, our businesses. So how is my team going to help support that and maintain that? Um, so that, you know, in that, in that instance, you really got to think of have kind of both hats on, in that regard. So if I was watching sitting outside as a business leader that, hey, someone is handling security. I was part of one of the original entity which is getting merged and now the M&A integration is going on and after that's done, it's the merged entity. For me, it should be one movie that I'm watching without any disruptions, without any feeling that 
uh, our security and risk is being undermined. How do you orchestrate that so that the folks who are paying the bills and who are the stakeholders who are supposed to build their business and grow their business while ensuring every party, every partner or customer that we have minimum risk at which we are operating. What's your benchmark for that pre, during, and post m integration? But you know what? Hold your thought. Let's take a quick break. Listeners, we'll be right back, and let's talk about this. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You know, wouldn't that be beautiful if, uh, James, you could be star in that movie that you show to your management or rather a leading actor in the movie, which is that the the executive management can very proudly say that we as an organization always worked with minimum risk and security under control, and we did M&A. There were no major hiccups. And then even after that, once it's all integrated, our security and risk could not have been better managed. What is your blueprint to ensuring this across the board or all along that journey, which you would have proposed to any other leader who may be listening to this and may be trying to go through this whole security management through M&A? Yeah, no, I, I like that analogy of the movie. Yeah, there's going to be a, if it starts off, you know, all peaceful and some excitement and drama. And then in the end, though, everybody comes out unscathed. Um, yeah, in the perfect world, that's how it, works right but obviously you know you you have challenges you, you you rise to meet them and again your goal at the end is to make everybody better um you know we we have you know, we, we've kind of gone down this transition of going from of kind of on the side of your desk what's our process to manage MA activities in-house a couple people managing working with our it partners and our business partners to partnering with third parties helping you know legal teams getting you know bring in the big guns, if you will, to help kind of navigate this. And a lot of it depends on, on the size of the merger. But, you know, we typically will start off just understanding what is the business, right? And in many cases, from that security perspective of that lens, there are tools and mechanisms you can use to, to understand that. Hey, do they have a BCP plan? Do they have, have they done business and um, impact analysis that we can review as we go through all their policies, which is one of the first things we'll ask for, so tell us what your policies are. Tell us what you've done around business continuity so we understand how the business works and what's most important to that business. You know, what is the business impact if you lose systems? If, if you have ransomware, if it hits these systems, how is it going to impact your systems and services? So we get a really understanding of what that business does with the services that they provide. And then we can also start seeing how it aligns with our business. Obviously, we know, in many cases, we know why we're acquiring, but we don't necessarily know 
what the business plans are down the road. And they may not even, they might still be figuring that out. But the more we understand, the better it will be to answer those questions down the road, as well as hey, identify those risks. What are potential risks or what are the most risky systems and services um, within their environment? And then you kind of step back and say, okay, do you follow any standards? Hey, are you ISO? Do you have, um, are you NIST, you watch follow this cybersecurity framework? What are some of those certifications you may have for PCI or others? And figure out from a control standpoint, how you align with our business, right? Because at the end of the day, like we talked about earlier, we want to say, hey, here's kind of our baseline. Here's where we need, we need to be from a security standpoint. How are we going to meet that, right? Do you exceed it? Are you below it? Or maybe you've got stuff that we can leverage from, um, from on the other side of it, the equation. So where do we align that and find out any gaps going forward? And so then from there, based on those risks, hopefully there are no risks, but for our risks, you can flag those risks, say, hey, you know what? I have concerns over here around, um, for example, like I said, the pen test earlier, um, what are you doing around log management? We've had situations where, hey, you're, you're doing log management, that's great. You have security event monitoring in place, but it's been there for six months. Well, we need more than six months to go back and review and make sure that, you know, from a due diligence standpoint, you feel comfortable that you haven't had any issues or breaches or haven't had any significant um, attacks, malware attacks or threat actors trying to hit your systems. So how do we manage those risks? And that's when you say, hey, maybe we need to go in and do a deeper dive into these systems, do analysis um, on some of the most critical systems that we learned about. So once we kind of get through that process and say, hey, yeah, hey, business folks, we feel good about this. We think the risk is, is low overall. Hey, there's some stuff we're going to address going forward once we get through this merger, but you know, we're good. Or you might say, you know what, I'm not completely convinced. You know, there have been a couple instances where, you know what, they say they haven't had a cyber breach. We don't really see any indication, but on the flip side, they can't really show us a whole lot. Like for example, hey, they only have six months of SIM logs. Uh, so I can't go back 12 months or even longer and say, yep, yep, I didn't see anything reviewing those logs. Hey, do we want to do a tail on our policy when it comes to reps and warranties? Hey, add a cyber tail, just in case, you never know, knock on wood. Typical breach takes, you know, they say 197 days before it's detected. So if you've only been doing due diligence for a few months and they don't have a lot of data to give you to, to do your due diligence on, it might not be a bad idea to say if something comes out after the merger that we want to have a little protection there uh, in that instance. And then going forward, right, here's kind of the, the crux of the movie. Here's the, you know, big angst in, in the movie. How do we get them integrated into our systems, right? Where do we where do we start looking first and kind of touching that before is, hey, we uh, number one, what are the risks? What are those risks we highlight? Hopefully there were no risks or low risk, but if they're significant risks, hey, they have a VPN solution for their customers to get, or their employees have remote access, but they don't have multi-factor. We absolutely don't want to integrate that with our environment without multi-factor. So that'll be the first thing we're going to go after. Let's get multi-factor authentication on their VPN. So we know that you know, their systems aren't going to be compromised and, and given full access to the to their network because the minute we connect everybody, anybody who gets access to their systems are going to have access to our systems. So we want to make sure that we address those high risk. And then we start looking at the controls. Go back to, hey, are you ISO? Okay, what controls do you have for user access fuse? What controls do you have for antivirus? And find out where, hey, do these controls match with what we our expectation is? You know, we can look at audit reports and others, but say, does your control meet our control? Hey, yep, that's great. We eventually, we may want to bring you on board and kind of consolidate all of our controls from, let's say, endpoint protection and network security. But right now, what you have is good, and it meets our requirements. It meets your requirements. We'll keep moving forward and consider from a contractual standpoint, hey, we have a renewal coming up in six months or in 24 months. Let's think about transitioning at that point. But you don't necessarily need to 
switch everything over, disrupt the business. Because the last thing we want to do is turn this into a nightmare movie. Go ahead and try to push through all these security controls when they may or may not be needed or and then start having impact to the business. Because as we also talked about earlier, you might have some folks who are resident or aren't sure how this is going to work out. They're still figuring out what, from a business standpoint, where to prioritize. So you want to make sure that, you know, what you do is very deliberate, very specific, addressing the risks, making sure, as we talked about, meeting our risk tolerance levels and going forward with an integration plan that typically would align with IT, with the business, with the legal, with HR, uh, which are all areas that you typically support as well. Now, Great, uh, you know, you, you totally built upon the, the movie analogy here. And so you built a great movie and you gave a good experience. What are some of the places we should look at to tighten it so that it's not a three hour long movie? You can make it into one and a half hour and still give the experience because you could do things long winded. People could lose patience. And especially when m is happening, people want to get things done yesterday. Yep. So, and, and I'm not into that point. I'm not a big fan of rip and replace, right? And anyway, we don't want to, uh, we want to have a movie. We don't want to have like a 20 minute short because right? a lot of times that can create problems and, and conflict. Um, but like you said, you know, this isn't gone with the wind. We don't want this to drag out for five years. You know, so there, if there are a few things you can do. First thing is understand, again, going back to what are our requirements? What's our minimum baseline? If they have a different next gen AV than you do, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change it out immediately or at all. There might be cost savings there from a visibility standpoint. That might be something you want to do, but a lot of these tools um, can give you that visibility, that leverage, that, that information so that you can feed it into SIMS and other log systems uh, without having to disrupt how they operate or disrupt endpoints. Uh, so that's one thing. Don't feel like you have to replace everything. Again, if you've got a standard that's being met, go ahead and work with it. Another thing is, and it's something we've done here um, at FleetCore, especially because FleetCore has built on a lot of different acquisitions, is we've, we've kind of had this mantra of globalize and standardize. A lot of it is around cloud-based solutions, SaaS solutions. So those types of solutions help you integrate a lot quicker. You don't have to deploy a lot of on-prem systems and, and do a lot of on-prem deployments, which can be very disruptive, especially you know right after a merger was finished, Again, the business is still figuring out what they're going to do. Rest, everybody's jumping in there at the same time, bombarding the, the acquired company, asking questions, figuring out what we're going to do, coming up with plans. So the least amount of impact you can have, but still meet your objective saying, I want to be able to have a global standard. For example, hey, they may not have endpoint detection and response. But we've got a global solution. We just need you to deploy X number of agents. And from there, that's it. You don't have to play extra servers. You don't have to do log capture or anything locally. It all pumps the cloud secure. We can give you access. We have instant visibility. Uh, and, and that a lot of times we're streamlining this. Looking at solutions like single sign-on as well. You know, you want to be able to make sure they have access to immediately to maybe your intranet or your extranet. You know, looking at single sign-on solutions that you can plug in to their environment, like Active Directory, and you can start giving them access to important areas within your business like HR and others. Those can help kind of streamline and build confidence in, in the business that's being acquired that, hey, yeah, we got a plan. We have a way to manage it. We're going to make it as painless as possible. Um, so there's there's a number of things you can do to, to your point. Hey, we don't want to make this a five-hour movie uh, with 500 missions. We want to go ahead and start this progress, progress, progress process excuse me, and get it moving along as quickly as we can, but as painlessly as possible. So culture is... Uh a very important foundation for any such initiative. And most organizations fundamentally struggle with building a security-centric or a risk prevention-centric culture. 
So if you're getting two different organizations coming together, maybe during due diligence phase, you would not face this issue, but as soon as they come together, integration starts happening. If you don't have that fundamental foundation of security and risk-centric culture, then not sure how much can you claim that you will get it done successfully to all the satisfaction to, of all parties. What do you do fundamentally as a first step to either establish that culture or come up with a way to build it as you go along? What, what do you recommend is a good way to tackle this culture issue as a prerequisite for having a successful security management throughout M&A? So kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, communication is very important, right? And getting in there early is very important. You know, as you go through that due diligence phase, get into the, um, you know, the imminent merger phase, helping them understand, again, hey, what is our security program, for example, in Fleet Corps say, hey, we have a security program. It's built on this cybersecurity framework. Here's what we do. Here's how we do it. Here's uh, what the culture is here in Fleet Corps. So that at least they understand, hey, this is what I'm looking at potentially, you know, as we start merging together, this is the culture we're going to be working with. And then sitting down with those key stakeholders on the other side and saying, you know what, help me understand what is your culture? Uh, you know, for Fleet Corps, a lot of times we acquire smaller companies. Some of them are startups. So they don't really have that security mindset or that security culture. But we, what we've found, and, and freshly in most cases, is that they are looking for it. They have no concern about going that direction. They, in fact, want to be kind of led that direction say, hey, we just didn't have the resources. We didn't have the capabilities. We didn't have the funding to do that. But now we see where it is. And, and, and many times they are eager to come and join and kind of help build that culture in their environment. Um, not always the case, but in many cases, that's, that, that's what we see. Uh, and then once you do kind of start building that bond, building that um, collaboration, you know, post-merger, get in there as quick as you can. Like I said, you got everybody parachuting in to start doing their piece. But sit down. If they have a security team, sit down with the security team. Go into a deep dive in your program. Talk about the policies in depth. Like I said, since we're NIST cybersecurity framework <clears throat> um, based, we we have a self-assessment that we do that is you know fairly lengthy, takes several hours, but we'll fly in, meet with the security teams, meet with the leadership, meet with you know all the members, share what our our program is, and say let's walk through the self this maturity assessment. Let's figure out where you all are on this, and we can we can compare between where Fleet Corps is and where you are. Hey, you are doing great over here. We're not doing great over here. Let's start thinking about how we can make this work. And, and that tends to build bonds, builds trust. And from a cultural standpoint, it starts bringing people on the same page to understand, hey, what we do, why we do it, uh, which we think has been very effective. Then from there, you can build a roadmap, right, based on that maturity assessment and some of the other assessments you've collected and what you've learned through the due diligence is, hey, we can now come up with a roadmap on how to bring the teams together. And, and maybe, hey, there's areas that you all focus on that you're, you excel at where we need some help. Let's figure out how you can come in and help us. Because a lot of times, that is also seen as as, as as great benefit is I go back to our globalized and standardized. If we can bring you all into the fold and, and you, know, you can leverage a lot of the tools we have globally uh, and leverage the teams, that gives you opportunity to support other areas and expand your knowledge get to help the business across the globe and not just this one little piece. So we found that to be very effective in helping kind of bridge that cultural gap and, and help people understand this is what we're getting into. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we can work together to, to Again, going back to the beginning of the discussion is, hey, how do we make these two entities better overall than they were independently? When you are looking at the merged entity and you got people at all levels, so 
ego that can play a role and i'm sure people have their own ideas that could play a role just because you tell them because i think your response was you tell people that this is what we're going to do and that's why you got to do this yeah, do they and, listen and- do they listen at all levels like ask the sales guy in a company to follow compliance I'm just just giving I'm not I'm not bad mouthing yeah. sales people but you see that I'm what I'm talking about there are egos there are prejudices there are bad habits yep and you're trying to fight all of them what what what's what's that magic bullet you found that you can get all those flavors and 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 fight through all of them to make it all happen I don't know if there's a magic bullet per se because you to your point you're going to get the egos you're going to get the people who think they know how to do everything better and And, and we've seen that, right? We've seen people who come in and go, why do you do it that way? Hey, we do it this way because it's better. And usually you explain, hey, we have to do it this way because of X, Y, Z, right? <clears throat> hey, PCI requires us to do this. We have these segmentation requirements in place. We can't just run willy-nilly in AWS or elsewhere. And typically, if you can articulate pretty well, hey, <clears throat> it might not be the way you do it in your business, but you, you got to think globally. You got to think this is a bigger enterprise now. You're not just a startup company that's running on AWS. We've got big data centers we've got offices all over the world there are certain reasons why we do things the way we do um typically again it goes back to being open transparent we talked about before and helping them understand hey this is why we're doing it there's a reason hey let's look at what you're doing hey maybe that's something we can go into uh a further discussion down the road as we start consolidating and uh, of course add it to our roadmap um that's one of the challenges that we, that we we try to address it that way right i think also being getting at the top right um in many times we'll we'll meet with business leadership we'll if they have an audit team we can find out hey are there synergies around all the compliance activities because a lot of times well again compliance doesn't equal security it does drive a lot of security initiatives hey you know what you're a private company you're a small startup you're now part of a publicly traded company we have certain requirements and regulations in place that we have to meet while you might not agree with it uh you know we still have to do it right and by the way hey we're building good security in the process um so you can leverage things like compliance requirements hey we just regulatory requirements that the privacy and other areas you know there are reasons why we do it right and we're not just coming in here telling you to do it because we want to make your life difficult and again going back to the leadership if you get the top down approach work with your CIOs uh the partnering CIOs work with the presidents of the businesses say hey you know what here's what we, how we do security at at Fleetcore this is why we're going to come in and, and introduce these things and sit down with your teams and your security teams and say this is why we got to get done right this is important to the business this is how we enable the business and typically you know once that message comes down from the top and they and they see hey this is why we do this hey we got to do PCI because we're credit we process credit cards and otherwise we're not going to be able to process credit cards that's how our business runs hey we're publicly traded we got to do socks we have these state examiners come in we got to make sure we're meeting our privacy requirements so being able to articulate in business terms and hey what is the impact that business has uh is is important to kind of circumvent the naysayers and the egos and the people who feel like hey i can do it fine just leave me alone and let me do it you can build good culture and of course you know while it's a tough job but definitely you can work on it and you can buy the tools and technologies what about unique capabilities not just okay security talent of course it's tough to find but you can find specific talent but if you were to take that um the category of building capability so that you can do 
good security management through M&A, what would those unique capabilities be in your view that might have, uh, you, might, you might have learned that, hey, this is where we had to develop? That's, that's an interesting question. We actually, as part of our requirements that we go into m and we have a capability list that we've built out already um, that we model to from a fleet core standpoint. And oftentimes, as we go through that NIST security framework, we do a crosswalk to that, to those capabilities. Um, we have been able to map that and uh, taken those capabilities and apply them to these, in these different mergers or acquisitions that we go through to see where, hey, are there gaps? What do we need to do? But as far as the process itself, um, you know, having the capability, flexibility is a big capability, right? And that seems kind of an odd, odd one to throw out there. But if you have, again, going into saying, hey, you know what? I just want you to meet this requirement. Hey, we have a security requirement based on a policy or whatever. Whether you use our next gen AV or your next gen AV or you use our DLP solution or your DLP data loss uh, prevention solution, we want to make sure we can meet that. Um, so that that is important. Uh, to, again, build trust, build collaboration going forward, but also having the right partners that can drop in a network monitoring box, right? And then start monitoring from day one. That's a, an important capability to have is being able to, hey, are there certain systems or certain things that we need to drop in day one, plug in like single sign-on from day one to give us the access and understanding of, all right, we went through the due diligence, we saw everything we so they say they have XYZ in place to prevent security breaches and ensure they're compliant. <clears throat> we reviewed the logs. But at the end of the day, until you have visibility into their environment and their systems and you feel like you're actually part of that uh, environment, it's hard to really say you understand that. And, and, and the last thing you want to do, what we've seen in the past is, hey, we got through the merger. Great. Congratulations. Pat on the back. And then three months, six months down the road, you're like, hey, you know, I haven't heard from anybody. What's going on? Where are we? You know, now we're responsible for this in this entity, there's this business, and we have not much has moved. So it's having that capability to be able to drop in certain aspects of from a security standpoint, like I mentioned, with, especially with the global controls or cloud-based controls, you can drop in agents, you can drop in um, boxes that can communicate pretty quickly and give you a pretty good visibility into, hey, do we have vulnerabilities? Is, do we see malicious network traffic? Are there endpoints protected? Um, I think having those, like I said, partners or capabilities is probably one of the keys, especially when you get past that actual merger part and get into the post-merger process. So one last question. So you've been uh, around the block and you've done a bunch of these M&As. And I think when you started, you may be, you know, uh, you may have learned, uh, you know, on the job in some cases and maybe somebody advised you. What would you recommend if you were to come in as a coach for CISOs who were about to get into an M&A what should, what would be your advice to them in terms of the shifts and improvements in their mindset and the leadership style, which will make them successful? So, you know, I would say first look for commonalities, right? And it's important to build, <clears throat> to understand the business and understand, hey, where are their commonalities between the two organizations and entities? Because uh, those are kind of the strengths, right, that you're going to lean on and, and be able to leverage going forward. It could be, from a management standpoint, it could be from a technology standpoint, it could be, hey, we've got, we got a team working security operations, so do you. Hey, you got a team doing IT compliance, so do we. And start building those commonalities so that you can build those bridges uh, with those different organizations and start bringing people together. Um, and as I mentioned, you just can't, can't hammer on communicate early and often, 
to start to, again to build those relationships uh, and then have a plan. Right? We have a you always want to have a plan going into these. We have a, a, a an M and A playbook, if you will, that that we leverage that our security operations teams and our architecture team um, runs with support from our IT compliance team. So we kind of have a plan, a model for how we go about these. And every M and A uh, activity, any merger or acquisition is going to be different. But if you have a playbook, and I go back to you know what we've been talking about, hey, I know what kind of where my minimum baseline is. I know where we need to be from a security requirements, security regulation standpoint. And that's baked into the playbook. So that as we go through that playbook and we check things off, we go through those checklists like we touched on earlier. I, I know where I'm headed. And, uh, you know, and if I need to adjust, tweak it, I can do that. But at least I have that road ahead of me and, and I know how to get there. So, you know, it's important to have that plan, understand where you're going. But it's also important as I go back to understand where the commonalities, understand where, the, where your key stakeholders are and the people you're going to be working with day in and day out and who those are and build those relationships because, uh, you know, as you kind of touched on, it can get rocky, you can get egos, you know, you, you may not get all the information you expected for whatever reason. Uh, having that relationship and having that plan, sharing that with uh, the, the entities is really important going forward to help them understand expectations and how you can work together uh, through the whole process. Once again, thank you, James, for sharing your insights about how organizations can uh, rally their troops, work with the management so that they can effectively manage security through M&A events. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. Uh, please connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast and give us feedback so we can keep doing better. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.